You're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast. Where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Welcome back to the show team. My name is Amelia and today it is another rambling episode. It's just me and I wanted to do a little bit of reflecting on a trip that I just did. Uh, which is the reason why there hasn't been any podcast episodes coming out recently. So I joined Ranger Amanda, who's walking the thin green line. Uh, I interviewed her a few episodes ago and I joined her on a trip from Darwin to Broome over two weeks. And uh, yeah, so we drove from Darwin to Broome via a whole lot of really cool national parks and landscapes and stuff. And it was pretty intense. Two weeks is like a long time and a really short time when you're trying to cover that much ground. And I would have happily spent months doing that trip, to be perfectly honest. And fingers crossed we can make that happen. Uh, But yeah, I wanted to share some some of my thoughts and feelings and, you know, amazing insights uh, with all of you because yeah it was it was pretty cool and the main thing that I've sort of come back with is that I think more people should get to go up to that part of the country and get to check it out not all at once you know a steady trickle but uh, it's pretty epic landscape and I think it's pretty formative for like what Australia is and uh, it's a really important part of our country So, yeah, I think I'd really like more people to head up to that part of the world. Yeah, so I joined joined Ranger Amanda uh, because she had a spare seat and it seemed like a cool idea. And it was a great opportunity to see some of the different parks that are up there. And so all of this was part of the country that I'd never seen before. I'd never been further north in sort of that direction than Alice Springs, which I think is honestly pretty common for a lot of us. Uh, So even just flying into Darwin from where I live in central Victoria, that was a pretty massive shock. I think it was a 25 degree difference. Uh, It was really hot and raining. It was like proper stormy, uh, tropical wet, which, you know, coming from somewhere quite cold, also wet but cold, was a bit of a shock. So we had a couple of days in Darwin to get some bits and bobs together uh, and then drove down to Litchfield National Park. And Litchfield is only an hour and a bit south of Darwin. Uh, So there's a lot of day trippers, as we discovered, uh, who are not necessarily kitted out for things to go wrong. And... It's a very accessible, very well-resourced, beautiful, very cool national park with all the waterfalls and uh, the risk of the crocodiles at the waterfalls. Uh, We had some exciting time there just on the first night. There'd been a bit of rain and it turned out there was flash flooding. And I guess like a lot of people, I'd never really got how flash flash flooding is. But we drove into the park to go have a look at, there's some different kinds of termite mounds. There's cathedral ones, which are like twice as tall as me. Not that that really helps you, but, 
you know, I'm a fairly tall person and these cathedral termite mounds, which are sort of kind of ant, they were twice as tall as me, if not taller. Huge, huge piles of termite sort of creation. Uh, but there's also magnetic termite mounds out there, which is where the termite mounds are aligned with poles of the earth. Very dark, very um, very different looking termite mounds to the cathedral style. I honestly didn't realise there were so many types of termite. There's a lot of type of termite and they all do different kinds of mounds. Uh, yeah, so we went out to have a look at them. Very cool. We went and had a look at a waterfall, which because we just like had a dump of rain, it was pumping, it was spectacular. There was like frogs going off, there was birds going off. It was wonderful. It was really hot and sticky, but it was really wonderful. Uh, but as we were heading back, uh, the road sort of suddenly disappeared. I was like, I'm pretty sure when we're coming here, the road had not disappeared. And turns out that the rain had resulted in significant flash flooding and we couldn't see the road, uh, which was concerning <laughs> and especially concerning because there was a bunch of tourists, uh, who really wanted to get back home. You know, they were full cars. They didn't have lots of extra water or anything like that. Um, so it was a little bit exciting uh, watching some of these cars drive through floodwaters, you know, something that we're all told not to do. Uh, that was terrifying and I think I aged about 10 years. <laughs> but it, it was really impressive to see, I guess, just how quickly the landscape can change uh, and how prepared you do need to be, really no matter what the season, I guess. Uh, and the message that I would like everyone to take home is please don't drive through floodwaters. It's really stressful for people who are watching, but also it's dangerous for you. Uh, so just please don't do it. We did have some pretty awesome experiences, though. Uh, we got to go close a four-wheel drive track with the team down there because there had been so much water. Uh, it was going to either start getting dangerous and also just if people drive through on wet tracks it sort of like starts to chop up the track and makes it really hard to reopen or needs grading and stuff so we went and helped them close it got some people out uh, through some pretty deep water uh, which was interesting uh, helped pull in some croc traps uh, so it turns out during the wet they're just like the crocodiles just roam wherever they want to go and then you sort of like flush them out well, when it comes to tourist time. So yeah, the crocodile experience was real. And I think something that we're easily able to forget about uh, in the southern parts of the country is just how real it is living with crocodiles and how beautiful these waterfalls are and how alluring the water holes are. But there's definitely uh, the potential that someone's living there and would like to have a nibble of you. Uh, that was quite interesting. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we're able to turn a relatively, like, we don't have to think about that does have to be thought about up there and whether it's just the storms, uh, and the intensity of the winds and the rains, uh, and of course the animals, and then you've got like mosquitoes that are carrying diseases, all that sort of stuff. Like it is a little bit more. Yeah, it's just different up there, and I think it's a really good thing for people to experience if they can. 
The rangers who live out there are also really interesting people. Uh, a lot of the rangers at the national parks that we visited live on park. Uh, and that's just because you can't really commute from anywhere because it's too far away. Uh, admittedly, some of the rangers that live out on park at Litchfield, like they're only two hours from Darwin, um, which... I guess, depending on where you live, say only doesn't belong in that sentence. But there's kids being raised out on park out there. And that's that's what I found particularly interesting is that there's kids going to school of the air. There's kids actually going to schools where if you hit a certain number of kids, you can open up a school, which seems to be about like eight or ten kids. Uh, and those kids have pretty different lives out there. And I, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh also the spouses of the people of the rangers so you know they live out there in these pretty remote places and i suspect they have a lot in common with military spouses as well where they have to move around quite a bit and often they're in environments that are not necessarily like warm and welcoming or easy uh but they have some pretty cool experiences as well so i think there's a lot of respect there's a lot of respect that I think would be great for everyone to have for the spouses of the people who are living out there because that's not necessarily easy, especially once you get a little bit further than Litchfield. Uh, as we were going, Amanda was interviewing people about what it means to them to be a park ranger, uh, what's hard about the job, what they love about the job. And it was really interesting, uh, some of the answers uh one of the indigenous rangers we got to chat to he just felt like he you know had won the lottery with being able to be an indigenous ranger living on park and helping conserve and protect our natural areas and also helping to introduce other people to them and help keep people safe when they're visiting these places uh all of the people we spoke to had a strong connection to the place that they were working at the places that they wanted to protect and just a huge amount of passion for helping people enjoy those places there was obviously a lot of frustration uh for those of you who are interested there's a lot of job vacancies up in the northern territory and uh apparently across into queensland as well um so if you wanted to be a park ranger, now might be a really good time to apply because there are actually a lot of openings. Um, yeah, because, you know, the world has changed and a lot of people want to work from home and you cannot be a park ranger from home. So on from Litchfield, uh, we headed down south to Catherine, uh, cruised through Catherine fairly quickly and moved across to Kununurra. So that was a pretty big day. Uh, we had to miss, uh, I think the park was called Judborough, uh, because there'd been about a COVID there. Um, so COVID's up there too. And so we scooted on through to Kununurra, uh, so that we could go back and visit Keep River. Keep River is not a place I had ever heard of. And most people I've spoken to since, uh, I've come back also hadn't heard about it. That was a pretty cool park. When we visited, I suspect we were the only visitors because we really were visiting at the tail end of tourist time because it was so hot and also there's the risk of rain. But 
Cape River was absolutely spectacular. There were sort of amazing rocky outcrops going up and then beautiful uh, rocky sort of valleys and it was just a huge landscape with quite an interesting diversity of plant and bird life. Uh, there was a few insects. Most of the time we didn't really see too many insects. I think it was too hot for them. There was a few ants around, but beyond that, uh, it was mostly a couple of birds. And yeah, definitely recommend visiting Cape River if you have the opportunity. We got to see a jabberoo. Uh, there was interesting problems with wild cattle uh, on that particular park. Uh, and just hearing the different problems that people, the park rangers are facing. So whether it was with people, um, which obviously is you're closer to big cities, you have more people related problems like arson. And then as you get further and further away from people, you have um, different problems that come and uh, pest species is obviously a really big one. So yeah, if you get an opportunity, totally recommend uh, Litchfield and Cape River. Uh, take your time though uh, and try and camp out on the park if you can because yeah, absolutely spectacular. The ranger up at Cape River, she'd, uh, this was absolutely her dream job. She'd been working for years to try and get a job as a ranger and was just totally blissed out and thrilled to be living on park and to just have the opportunities that come from being remote because because it is just you uh you kind of need to be quite resilient and you also need to you know learn a lot of things like how to restart a generator when it stops working all that sort of stuff so yeah it, it was really cool to see how many people like yeah people will grumble about their jobs but just seeing the absolute passion and enthusiasm that these people had for their role and the country that they're looking after was actually heartwarming and I hope some of you at home have at least a bit of that feeling because uh, it's pretty cool and makes getting up when things are tough or when it's ridiculous temperatures uh, a lot easier. Some of the things that really stood out in Kununurra, Catherine and Tennant Creek was really, and I think that's sort of going to stick with me, was really the impact of alcohol that uh, is happening in these communities. And it's really, I guess, very alive and very much a problem now. And I, I wouldn't have any idea how you start to solve a problem like that but seeing the impact is quite um, I guess confronting especially when you're able to pretend most of the time that that's not an issue and once again I think it's a, a really important thing for people to be aware of and to go up and, and potentially experience at some time is just the realities of things like alcohol in communities uh, and how stark and confronting that really can be. And whilst at the same place, play, 
whilst at the same time being surrounded by such beautiful places. It's a very complicated just juxtaposition. From Kananara, we headed down to Penalulu, uh, which a lot of people might know of as the Bungle Bungles. Uh, and that, that was very interesting crossing over into WA Park territory. Uh, it's sort of interesting when you're specifically looking at national parks, seeing how different the parks are between uh, states because parks are state run. And so like signage is different. Uh, it's sort of clear in some places that some parks have more money than others and uh, how that sort of plays out is kind of interesting when you're doing like a rapid tour. You can sort of more easily see the differences between parks and between park agencies and sort of the things that they value. Uh, so the drive into Pernalulu took a while and you definitely need a four-wheel drive, uh, like a proper four-wheel drive, preferably with a snorkel. And again, it was really hot, but that was absolutely spectacular country. And I think for me, one of the things that was really a massive privilege is to have that feeling of being small in both time and space. And you can really feel how large the landscape is, uh, how epic all the rock formations are. It's just mind blowing how cool just like even not from a geological perspective but just from an aesthetic perspective those landforms are proper cool uh, proper proper cool uh, so seeing that all those rocks and then the palm trees that are just like hanging off the side of these cliffs uh, yeah is, is really quite spectacular one of the things that I sort of found amazing as well was just the impact and I guess this is me being a geographer a bit but uh, the impact that water has on that landscape because even down in Penalulu there's a very strong sort of wet season and that just really has the water has etched its mark into the stones and you can see where the waterfalls would be uh, and where the rivers flow and stuff as well and as a guess during the dry season it's quite hard to imagine how extreme the water movement must be but when you look at the impact that's had on the rocks it must be quite quite an experience I, I would really love if we could get a, a like a time-lapse camera that we could leave in some of these places and because obviously you couldn't walk in there during the wet but being able to see a time-lapse of that during during the wet would be pretty cool uh yeah so again like I think Pernalulu sort of highlighted as one of the I guess bucket list locations that would be ideal for people to visit um you know as a as a quintessential Australian experience uh and if you can yeah definitely get out there because I think it, it is an important sort of like a keystone part of Australia. We went from Pernalulu up to Geeky Gorge, uh, which was a gorge that had a whole lot of freshwater crocodiles. Um, people are quite cavalier about freshwater crocodiles. They're like, eh, it's just a freshie, it's fine. 
Personally, I still think it's a crocodile. Um, and one should be careful about crocodiles, uh, even if it's relatively small. Uh, I have small appendages, like my toes, that I would like to keep attached to me. So uh, I'm not a big one for being super cavalier about any kind of crocodile. But yeah, there was a lot of crocodiles hanging out, uh, some amazing little finches and yeah, beautiful rock gorges. Um, it was quite a different kind of park. You can't stay there overnight. Um, and they run commercial tours through there, which is, is quite different, I guess, for uh, in comparison to a lot of other park agencies. So that were the main parks that we visited. Uh, we also spent a little bit of time in Broome, which was also cool. The Broome Bird Observatory. Uh, I couldn't speak more highly of that. That was a lovely location to visit. Uh, the birds were wonderful. Uh, I'm not a bird person, but I know we saw a double barred finch. Uh, and apparently that's a really big deal in Birdland. So uh, that was cool. Uh, but yes, if you have the opportunity to visit the Broom Bird Observatory, uh, definitely recommend that. They have an absolutely wonderful camp kitchen, which has a open sort of area. Um, or a sort of a mesh wall where they've got a whole lot of bird baths and things. And so a lot of birds come in and you can have a cup of tea with uh, a bird or there's a lot of agile wallabies as well. You can have a cup of tea with an agile wallaby in the morning if you don't move too quickly and scare the wallaby. Although they do eventually come back because the lure of water is too strong. And that's pretty much it. Obviously, that's a very condensed version of the trip uh, and there was yeah a whole lot of uh, interesting discussions with people who are living in quite remote or very very remote locations and are doing a really awesome job to walk a challenging line between making sure that visitors are safe uh, making sure that the environment is healthy and being looked after in the way that it needs to be and making sure that they stay sane and also like dealing with the bureaucracy of working for a government organization so yeah as i say there's a bunch of job vacancies open at the moment uh and if you're interested in applying for those i'm obviously happy to have a chat with you but i'd also recommend that you give whoever's advertising a call and have a chat about what that park is like before you get there because all the parks are quite different. And that I think is it. So this was obviously quite a bit of a different episode. We've got a few more weeks uh, left of programming for the year. So I'm gonna get back to editing some more podcasts for you uh, and recording some more podcasts for you. And then obviously we're gonna take a bit of a break over Christmas and January because I know you don't really wanna be listening to podcasts then. Or you can just catch up with my old ones as well. Uh, yeah, and then hopefully we're going to have some like more career map stuff happening next year. Uh, I've got a whole lot of ideas about different career-related things. And yeah, I just hope you're staying well, looking after yourself, and have enough energy 
to keep on going through the rest of the months of 2022. It's been a different year than I think a lot of us expected, but we are still going and you're doing an awesome job and thank you so much for listening. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, please pass it on to someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to support Avid Resets this year, that would be amazing. Uh, you can buy us a coffee. Head to avidresearch.com.au and there'll be a link. Buy me a coffee and you can support us with a one-off little coffee payment. Thanks so much for listening. You're a legend. Bye.